Reveal, O God, your wonder to our eyes. Open our hearts to Christ's love. Disperse from our minds any darkness and fill our lives with your light. Protect us, O God, from thoughts without action. Guard us from words without life. Grant us wisdom to walk in your ways and open us always to the guiding of your spirit. Amen. When I was a teenager, mission trips from the church were formative for me. I learned about who God was through these experiences, and I learned about how God was active in my own life. I learned about my own identity as a child of God. remember on one mission trip, we were moving a pile of dirt by hand. Describing it as a pile doesn't exactly describe its volume. The pile was more like a small hill. To us, moving it by hand with shovels and wheelbarrows, it felt like a mountain, really. You see, we were working at a school, and they wanted the dirt to build a garden. And so we had traveled there thinking we were building a garden, but these trucks had come to deliver the dirt, and instead of putting it in the plot of earth where it belonged, they dumped it in the parking lot, which meant the first task was moving it from the parking lot to where the garden would be. So we shoveled dirt into wheelbarrows, and we pushed those wheelbarrows along in, over to the garden and dumped it out, and then we repeated the cycle again and again, and after two days of doing this, we teenagers and adults were tired, we were frustrated, we were annoyed. There was too much dirt, and there was not enough of us. And so on that particular evening, our pastor gathered us to reflect on the day as she typically did and she invited us to pray. One of the other students on this mission trip offered a rather big prayer. This student prayed for a bulldozer. God, we are tired of moving dirt, she said. God, would you send a bulldozer? We all laughed just as you did. It's funny, right? (laughs) And we all agreed, yes, God, send a bulldozer. And so the next day we began moving dirt for a third day, somewhat with anticipation, but, you know, not really expecting much. The wheelbarrows and shovels were waiting for us, and we began the work, and we worked for a couple of hours, and in the hot sun we began to take a water break and have a little rest and there was a response to this prayer that was made that evening you see rounding the corner of the school building entering the parking lot was this really big yellow bulldozer god is good right church And this bulldozer, in about two scoops, moved the remainder of all that dirt from the parking lot and placed it right in the garden where it should have been in the first place. But at the sight of this bulldozer, we were cheering. We were laughing. We could not believe our eyes. You see, though we prayed for it, we didn't really expect it. The mistake we made in offering such a prayer was that our paradigm was that God answers prayers. If we were looking for an exact answer, like a bulldozer, we knew it was not likely to happen. 
God doesn't just send bulldozers, right? You see, our approach was kind of like that student that moments before a test prays for a good grade even though they haven't done the homework and haven't studied for the test. One could explain how a bulldozer came into that parking lot. There were a couple of hours for arrangements to be made. There's a part of me that still wonders if our pastor wasn't actually the one who was behind it. The way in which she always did unusual things to teach us about faith, I just can't imagine how she explained that one to the finance committee. And I'm sure there was some kind of explanation. I don't actually know what it is. But on the other side of it, we could go all the way to the other side where a person could blindly go to the transcendent and say, well, and God was behind it. And I have no doubt God was. both of these ways of looking at this encounter still look for an answer as the source of of what's meaningful behind the prayer. Our most meaningful prayers are not requests. They're not wishes to be fulfilled. Prayer at its deepest level, at at the very heart of who we are when we gather for prayer, is actually an event. It's an encounter with God. It's, it's an event of putting ourselves into the presence of God, placing ourselves somewhere where we know God and Knowing is. that God is with us as we make our prayer is how we come to find ourselves encountering God. God that, that, that when we pray, we're pursuing God just as God has been pursuing us. See this parable this morning, this parable about prayer asks the disciples to be prepared for God. God who responds to prayers, though not always as we expect. pray like it matters. It is like a widow seeking justice. It is like One who prays persistently, continually, like a widow who asks a judge to advocate on her behalf. Ignores her, despite the judge's responsibility for such a constituent. See, this is an unthinkable ignorance to Jesus and the disciples that a judge would ignore a widow. The judge is not concerned about God, is not concerned about any other person, but the widow is persistent despite the judge. And she comes to the judge again and again and again, and the judge finally relents to her persistence. And the judge grants the, the woman the justice that she seeks. Now, when we read the scripture, though, the translations don't really do the meaning of the scripture justice. You see, our our biblical languages has actually tamed, or our our translations have tamed the biblical language. Where most translations write that that the judge was thinking that, that so, so that she may not wear me out by continually coming to me, it, it could be translated differently. If you translated it more literally, you would tra- understand that, that, that to wear out is actually, in biblical Greek, to wear out is a boxing term. 
So, so the scripture, if you took it literally, really says that, that the, the judge is granting her justice so that she may not give him a black eye by continually coming to him over and over again. The judge, in granting justice, is afraid of getting a black eye from a widow. I, I, I suppose it seems he should be afraid, he should be concerned, because in doing so, in receiving such a black eye, it would put his reputation on the line. He wouldn't want to have to go around town answering people's questions about why a widow gave him a black eye. Why did you eye. Not hear her plea, they would ask. You see, there's this power difference between the widow and the judge. And we don't know what the injustice is. The scripture doesn't tell us. We don't know what harm has been done to the widow. We don't really know much about this widow or her life in general. We don't even know much about this judge other than his lack of empathy and concern but for what others. We do know is that the judge has the power to grant justice. There's a quality that the widow has that is not hers alone. You see, God is one who persists in pursuing God's vision for the world and its people because God pursues people continually. God pursues justice relentlessly. And for the writers of Luke's gospel, there's no question about God's faithfulness. God is faithful. God is just God will continue to be so. God listens. God cares. God takes interest in human needs. And Luke is not concerned even the least bit about the character of God. But Luke, the Gospel of Luke, is concerned about the followers of God, the disciples. You see, the very last line raises the concern. The words of Jesus, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? And the answer to this rhetorical question is expected to be yes. Yes, God will find faith on earth. Is the disciple to do? To participate in cultivating this faith. What is a disciple in the company of Jesus to do? What is a disciple in the 21st century city of Detroit in this to moment, do? In this lesson of Jesus, in this parable, the disciples are to go and pray. They are to pray without ceasing. They are to pray without losing hope because God comes to people again and again and again with love because disciples are to pursue God in prayer the way God comes to people over and over again. But, but what does it mean to go and pray like this. What does it mean to go and pray with an attitude that our prayers really matter, that they really matter beyond whatever we might expect or what answer could be provided? The prayers we make do matter because we know the unjust judges of the world. We've encountered those who've ignored the needs of the world, those who 
do not care about the people who inhabit it. Life in so many ways is not fair. We do know this. But fairness is not what cultivates the vitality that God seeks to embrace in the world. It's a grace that is given where thriving is encountered, where God is encountered. It's a a grace that looks like justice. It's a grace that is a, a deep concern for others that is lived among a community. It is grace that is the repeated event of God showing up in our lives and again and again, and we take notice, we see, and we embrace that encounter. And it's in preparation for such encounters that our prayers matter, not not because our prayers are answered in the way we want or on our particular timetable. Because any of us will be able to live a deeper faith than another. No, our prayers matter because it's in the event of making these prayers in which we discover that God is alive to us every moment that we enter that space Every of making prayer, prayer deepens our encounter with God. And each prayer that we make might just awaken someone else to the way that they might meet God in their life, and that matters. There's a woman named Cheryl, Cheryl Strayed who wrote, a memoir called Wild. Popular, popular. You may have even read it. The subtitle is From Lost to Found on the Pacific Crest Trail. You see, in it, she tells her story of loss as well as her encounter with faith. It's about the loss of her mother, about the loss of her marriage, about the loss of herself in addiction and in destructive behavior. She wrote in the wake of losing her mother, I prayed fervently, rabidly to God, any God, to a God I I could not identify or find, and I cursed my mother who'd not given me any religious education. She writes, resentful of her own repressive Catholic upbringing. My mother had avoided church altogether in her adult life, and now she was dying, and I didn't even have God. And so I prayed to the whole wide universe and hoped that God would be in it listening to me, and I prayed, and I prayed, and then I faltered. I faltered. Not because I couldn't find God, but because suddenly... I absolutely God did. was there, I realized. And God had no intention of making things happen or not or saving my mother's life because God is not the grantor of wishes. And in this deep burden that Stray had carried, she carried it onto the Pacific Crest Trail. She didn't know how to bear what she needed to bear in all of the grief that she was experiencing. And and so she, without any experience, without training, without enough preparation, she began a journey of backpacking the Pacific Crest Trail alone. Taking on a 2,650-mile hike alone. And alone in the wild, alone in the wilderness, Strayed took stock. She 
took perspective. She found that the experience was healing, and it was just what she needed to start her life in a new way. And the easy assumption about her story, the assumption that she made initially, was that being in the wild, in the wilderness, had saved her. That the isolation, the lack of distraction, the completion of this enormous challenge saved her. But Strayed herself says that that was not the case. It was not the wild that saved her, not the journey, not the challenge, though, though these things really were the context of her experience. What ultimately saved her were deep and meaningful encounters with people on she the trail. She alone to be in the wilderness, and there she found a people who became meaningful to her who opened in her what she needed most, what mattered most to her. And in that experience, she had a sacred encounter of God because of the people whom she and met. God came to her through the events of her prayers, of her experiences. But it was not what she expected. She also would never be the same. In the many events of our lives, God is coming to us in the activity of our prayer. So yes, we should pray for the small things. We should pray for the important things. We should even pray sometimes for those silly things like bulldozers. Especially we should pray for the people, those we know, those we do not know. Because we will encounter God in the events of our prayers just as God comes into our human lives again and again. And whatever prayer we make and whenever we make it and whoever we make it with, we can trust that the prayer that we make is a prayer that matters to God. May it be so today and always. Amen.